How many of you met somebody that you're going to pray for this week? Did you say hello to somebody you're going to pray for this week? Okay, that'd be great. If you know some parents and students that uh, are just a part of your circle and uh, maybe not here, maybe maybe they attend another church or don't attend church or whatever, you can reach out to them, make sure they're okay, and just check on them. How's it going? What incredible love that would mean to people who are in your life and going through just a normal fall transition, but it's hard. It's really really hard. If If you're my age... Um, I, I'm, I'm old. I'm 50. I'm 56. If you're, if you're, I know, right? I know. I know. I mean, I, I start growing this and it's all gray. I'm gonna start coloring it so y'all don't react like that. Um, if, if you're 50 or above and, and you went through school, you, know, you did your thing and, you know, we, we had normal school life. If you were all done with school before Columbine happened, then you don't know what it's like to go to school and have fear to be central and a part of your deal. You don't know what it's like. And if you're young enough to have gone through that, uh, and if you're entering school today, the landscape is different. It's different than we experienced. And so uh, empathy, empathy is in order. And it's important. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. And so the teachers, uh, I'm grateful for you. And we hope that you continue to pray for them as well. And so uh, we, if, if, if these graphics look familiar to you, then that's because you were around Castle Oaks two years ago. We started this series called Follower um, two falls ago and, and cut it off because of Advent, you know, which ought to happen with Advent. You know, when Advent happens, you, you quit everything. And that's what we did. We stopped follower, and we said we would bring it back. We thought it, I thought it would be sooner, but it's taken us two years to get back to it. This, this series called Follower is, is all about this portion of teaching in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. And this time around for this series, we're adding in Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Sermon on the Plain, I guess because he was not on a mount. He was on a flat spot down in a valley teaching, but... Regardless, both sets of teachings are direct teachings from Jesus. If you have a red letter Bible, they're all red. And these words, these teachings, these sort, some are many parables, some are direct, very specific instructions about how to live your life. Our hope is to allow this series to shape our values, to change our relationships, to give us a mirror to interact with so that we can find out how are we living and loving like Jesus? And where are some spots and some places in our lives where uh, we've either ignored it, maybe we haven't thought of it, maybe we even haven't considered it, or we have and decided we don't think that's a good idea to live like that right now? It happens all the time for those of us that follow Jesus. And we want to do that in this community, but we want you to do it in your community, people that you know that are also following Jesus. And to help us kick it off, we'll start where we started two years ago with this passage right here. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, we know him as Peter, and Andrew, brothers, throwing a net into the water. They fished for a living. So all the gospels have at least something about these people we call disciples who began following Jesus early on. Jesus hadn't really begun his ministry yet, and he wouldn't do it 
until he had some people alongside of him who would do the work with him, alongside of him. And so we get introduced to him in the Gospel of Matthew, very first, it's this guy named Peter. And you know some stories about Peter if you know the Gospels and a little bit about Andrew, but make up what we would call the 12 disciples. And there were many others. Some were men, some were women, some were with him the whole time, some came along after, some were a part of the deal all along, but they were followers of Jesus, no different than me and than you. And that is if you have said, you know, I'd like to be a follower of Jesus as well. That's why we've called it what we've called it. And so in this scene that we see in Matthew chapter 4, they're fishing. This is probably not their first interaction with Jesus. It appears to happen abruptly, but it probably wasn't abrupt. I wish we had all of the details and all of the conversations, but I, I mean, that'd be a big book. Be hard to memorize all those verses, wouldn't it? And so while they're there doing their fishing, Jesus walks up and he calls out to them, say it with me, underlined. What's he say? Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. It's a funny, funny statement. You know, I mean, what kind of hook do you use? You need a big pole, one that doesn't bend. You need some interesting bait. I don't know, T-bone steak. I mean, something. All of these images come to mind as Jesus says, you know what, I, I, I'm going to give you a different job. And, and again, this was, this was not their first interaction, but Jesus makes this invitation to these two men, and he'll do it with some other people as well. And when you read the Gospels, all four of them, it's obvious from beginning to end that whenever Jesus is interacting with people, he's always what? He's always inviting, always. And he's doing it today with you. He did it yesterday with you, even if you don't know it even if you weren't aware of it. He is always inviting. And his invitation sometimes sounds like an invitation. Hey, come along. And sometimes it sounds like a question. Sometimes it sounds like a problem. What are you gonna do about? And you have this sense or this impression. Some of you in your walk with God, you, you might have the sense that God, excuse me, that God is speaking to you or that he is uh, maybe some of you, I've heard some of your stories, you hear the audible voice of God. Most of you don't, but maybe you just have a sense that God is leading you in direction. That is God inviting you, and he does it in the Gospels, and he does it today, every day. Jesus walks down the road, and there's a blind man, his name's Bartimaeus, and he's calling out to Jesus, and, and Jesus asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? It's an invitation, an invitation to this man. And he answers. They have a relationship and interaction. The man is healed. It's incredible. Maybe that happens on some occasions, maybe not on others. Lazarus is dead, and Jesus is coming to see the family. And on his way, Martha meets him on the road, and they have an interaction. And Jesus says that incredible statement. If, if, look, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will never die. And then he says to Martha, do you believe this? That invitation is a question. Martha, what's up with your heart? Where do you trust? What do you believe? A woman's drawing water out of a well, and Jesus walks up to get a drink, and they have a conversation about her whole life, her entire past. And it's an invitation, an invitation for her to trust him, eventually introduce him to her friends. 
Near the end of Jesus' ministry, he's always inviting on every page of the Gospels. As he's there, James and John begin arguing about who will sit at Jesus' right hand and who is the most important in the kingdom of God. And Jesus then teaches them and invites them to consider a different way of life that places the needs of others ahead of their own. He's inviting them to a place of selflessness that they have never even imagined, and he invites them to it. He is always inviting. And with every invitation that Jesus is making, it's always from something to something else. From, you fill in the blank, to something new, to something different. It might be from living inwardly and all about you to living for other people. It might be that Jesus is inviting you from worry and anxiety to hope. It might be that Jesus is helping you when you are lost to understand that you are found. These invitations take a thousand different shapes and colors and emotions and paths, different froms and different twos every time. But I promise you this week that has passed, God has invited you many, many times to consider a different thought a new way, a way to approach life. Uh, some of you have been praying for our family. Donna's father passed away um, just recently, and we have just come back from Kentucky, and we had a funeral, and um, Donna's dad's been sick for a while. He was on hospice a time or two this year. He was actually on hospice, came off, came off hospice. You know, some of you know Donna's a hospice nurse, and so this whole process has been incredibly surreal and, and such a uh, a roller coaster for all of us. Um, there was a, a moment just a, a few months ago when Don is walking into the store and her phone rings. It's Jack. Jack's her dad. And the phone rings and she says, before she even says much, she just says hello. And, and uh, Jack doesn't even say hello back. He says, uh, Where's Phil? <laughs> and she said, I, Well, I imagine he's at work. And uh, Jack thinks I work one day a week, so, um, I mean, he's a working man. He was a truck driver. He, he was a laborer, so he thinks preachers work one day a week, and so, uh, so I, I was at work. He had called, and I was in the middle of a discussion, couldn't pick it up, but she said, well, I, I imagine he'll call you back, and, and very shortly, of course, I call him back, and he's, he answered the phone. He said, I've, I've got a question for you. I said, yeah, what's your question? He said, well, here's the thing. I was down in the basement of the house sitting in my recliner yesterday and I had some visitors. Now, Jack's uncles, three of them were pastors and they're all gone. They're all deceased, died many years ago. Two of them were named Hayward and Gene. And Jack says, Hayward and Gene came to see me. Now, I, I don't know what you believe about any of that. And uh, that this isn't about that. And I don't know how it works. But I do believe what Jesus said to Martha. That he is the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in him, you won't die. And I said, so they came to see you. He said, yep, they came right in, in the uh, basement and chatted with me. I said, well, Jack, were you sleeping? He said, no, I was wide awake. Oh, okay. Well, what did you chat about? He said, well, I showed him some pictures of the family and we had a whole conversation and he shared some things that they talked about back and forth. 
I thought, I, I, boy, I, I'm not sure what the question's going to be, but I'm sure I am not qualified to answer it. <laughs> and so Jack had a hard time getting to uh, the question. And so as he described everything that happened, and he then got quiet and just waited, he just said. So I said, well, Jack, what's your question? You have a question? He said, yeah. He said, what happened then? What was going on? I was afraid he was going to ask that. <laughs> and so I've been praying the whole time that he's describing this encounter. Lord, I have no idea what you're up to, but I just want to be able to share whatever is important. I just, not, not my words, just whatever Jack needs and whatever is really happening here. And I just answered to him and I said this. I said, well, Jack, you, you're on hospice. I know you're afraid about what is to come. And there's a lot of unknown about what you're experiencing and you don't know what's next. And I know you know what we know and what we teach, but it's also very scary. And I think God sent Hayward and Gene to you so that you would know it's going to be okay. And he said, I think so too. And even an 80-year-old man on hospice, Jesus is always inviting. He was saying to Jack, look, I know you're afraid but I just want you to trust me. I just want you to trust me. Always inviting. It's what God does. It's how he works. Jesus says, come and follow me. Now, this little piece of the story is just extra and you can forget about it, but before we go on the sermon, I'll tell you this, this little bit of what happened. So if you remember, a couple years ago, Don and I went to Grand Teton National Park to do a hike. It was a hike that is on her bucket list and one that we wanted to get done. We were super excited about doing it then, and we got snowed out. It was cold and icy and snowy, and uh, it got too cold for us to do anything, and so we just packed up and came home. Last year, Donna and Austin, our oldest son, went to do that same hike, and they got rained out, torrential downpour, and they came home. And so this year we said, we are getting this hike done. So we went up two weeks ago on Friday, set up the trailer, we were going to wait till the end of the week to hike, but the best day for hiking looked like it was Sunday. And so we decided, let's hike Sunday. And so we did. We got up, went up through Paintbrush Canyon, back behind the Tetons, almost 16 miles, longest hike that Donna and I have ever done. I couldn't walk for many days. <laughs> and I followed her the whole way. <laughs> Honey, slow down. And so we finally made this beautiful, incredible, unbelievable, uh, one that we will never forget, many sights. As we're coming back out of that canyon into cell range, we got texts from Donna's brother that Jack had fallen. He had been back on hospice for a couple weeks, and he wasn't doing well. And this fall, he broke uh, the very top of his femur near the hip. And so... His liver had been failing, his kidney began to fail, and we're now wrestling with, do we just get in the car and go? And we did. So the next morning we drove from Wyoming to Castle Rock, got here the night of that big storm that you all remember, and then the next morning Donna got on a plane to fly to Kentucky and got to her father's bed 10 minutes before he passed. He was waiting for her. And I don't understand that either, but he did. 
And because of that moment that they got to share, God's presence clearly between them. And that, of course, kicked off a week of, of events and grief and a funeral. And now we're back home. But this has been on my mind ever since Jack called with this visit from his deceased pastor uncles. That God is inviting and so God's inviting. He invited Donna and I as we looked at the Percy of Meters this morning. Do we understand that the heavens speak, that they pour out speech day after day? Do we hear what God is saying, that he is enough, that he is good, that he is love? Are these the things that we're willing to accept the invitation to? This is what this series is about. This invitation, as we go through the passages in Matthew and in Luke and the various teachings of Jesus, understanding that there is an invitation within everyone to allow us to refocus our lives, to reshape our values, to ask the question, how do we live? How do we love? What are we living for? What are we loving for? And so it's no coincidence that when the gospels began to get their footing and get the birth story as a part of the canon, and now the ministry of Jesus is beginning, that it begins with an invitation. Hey, hey, Peter, hey, Andrew, come, follow me. And when Jesus extends that invitation, Matthew records this, all the gospels have some version of it, at once they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, this is the first decision that Peter and Andrew have to make. Are they gonna go when Jesus says go? And like I said, we don't have all the conversations. This seems abrupt, but I don't think it was abrupt at all. I think Peter and Andrew clearly knew that this is somebody we're paying attention to. We, we love what he's saying. They had been around the ministry of John the Baptist. They had seen the fruits of John calling authority to accountability, calling people to repentance, all of the things that were associated with John. And then John stands up and says, look, the Lamb of God. And Peter and Andrew are paying attention. And the invitation comes. And so they go. Now, that is right before the Sermon on the Mount. And now Jesus is saying, look, if you're wondering what it means to follow me, then this is what it looks like. Jesus didn't invite people to join a church. He didn't. Jesus didn't invite people to believe all the right things. Although if he could find a place where your belief deviated from trust and love, then he would draw you back to it. Jesus didn't ask for anything except take one step at a time and follow me. That invitation is the same to Peter and Andrew as it is to me and to you. And so we learn to love our kids and let them go. We learn to honor who God is in our character and our choices and the way we love each other. Even the people that vote differently than us or think very differently than us. And the invitation is there, and it's open for us. Now, if Jesus says, follow me, well, let's put it in today's language. Let's say I walk out into the lobby after church today, and, and uh, somebody says, hey, Phil, are you coming? Are you, are, you, are you coming? And you all are doing a thing, and a few of you are headed out and going to do this or that. And I've got a couple questions before I answer you. My questions are the same questions that the disciples had. 
And the questions I'm going to ask right there in the lobby of you before I join in your venture and jump in your car, they're the same questions that I want us to ask and wrestle with through this entire series. And they're pretty simple, but they're important. And we'll mention them most weeks in one form or another. And they're questions I believe that the disciples either knew the answers to or were willing to step forward knowing what they knew. And the first question is this, the question I'm going to ask you if you ask me if I'm coming with you. First one is this, where are we going? I want to know. I want to know where we're going. And so do you. You want to know. Now, the disciples had an idea. They'd heard Jesus teach. They heard what John had to say. They'd heard many rabbis teach. These were Jewish boys, grew up in Jewish homes. They had a heart for God, and they wanted to know something about what God is up to today. And so they understood at least some of the answer to this question. However, when you read the Gospels, they didn't have enough of an answer. They asked this question over and over again. They say to Jesus, where are we going? Why are we going there? That seems like a bad idea. And Jesus gives them an answer, and then they say, okay, we're going. This is part of the entire story. And you ought to be asking the same question too. Whatever church you go to or whatever teachers you listen to, uh, where are we going and why are we doing that? And when somebody says, because I said so, and you're of adult age, then you ought to find someplace else to, to go. Where are we going? This is the question. And the disciples went because they knew who was driving the car. That's why they went. This, uh, this word followed is a great word. At once, they left their nets. They followed him. Akalutheo is the Greek word. But uh, what it means, what that Greek word means, the original etymology or the origin of the word itself, it means first road. That's what it means. In other words, if you're going to get in the car, you're going to take off, it's going to be the first road that you take. If you're faced with a decision, it's the first road that you'll take. You'll take it right, you'll take it left, whatever it is, but the akalutheo or the following that you'll do is the first choice that you'll take. And so when you're faced with these teachings of Jesus that will go through, my hope is that you'll think, you know what, my impulse is to, I don't know, return evil for evil or hold a grudge or decide that I'm not going to forgive. I'll forgive anything but that. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to show you the map and that map is full of all kinds of choices and roads, I'm going to show for you what that first road is, and I'm going to ask you to take it and follow me. And sometimes we say, you know what, that's great, you go on without me, I can't do that right now. And Jesus, in his loving, compassionate grace and wisdom says, okay, we'll come back to that one. We'll come back to it. But how about this one? You go, ah, yeah, I can totally do that. That sounds great. And Jesus allows you Grace and mercy in the journey so that you can follow him when your heart is ready. And his invitation is always being asked, always open. And so also follow doesn't just mean that somebody's, like the way I hike with Donna, which is all following, okay? It, that's not, that's not the, the word that's used here, followed. We, we translate it followed in the English is the best translation we've got. But mostly it means to join and accompany, to walk alongside, right beside together. That's what Jesus is inviting you to. He wants you to be a part of it. It's why he had the disciples a part of his ministry. That's why he showed them what to do. It's why Jesus sent them out on their own without him, because he knew 
there's a day coming, I'm not gonna be there you know, in the flesh and they've gotta find their way. This is what it means and this is what you are being invited to go do. And so the question that we're asking and that the disciples were always asking is where are we going? And so as we read the teachings of Jesus, this is the question you ought to ask. Where is he taking me? What's the invitation to? What is it from and what is it to? And it helps you understand how God is shaping your heart. The place where you need to surrender that you've held on to, you've held back. The place where God is moving you into a place of peace instead of anxiety, surrender instead of control. This is how God is leading you. It doesn't mean you'll like it. It doesn't mean you'll like it at all, but you ought to at least know where it is on the map. And if you can find it on the map, then you get to decide how that's going to work for you. The disciples didn't like it either. You remember the end of the Gospels, right? Jesus says, hey, you know what? We're, we're in the north. We're up in Galilee. We're going to head toward Jerusalem. And, and they say, you know, that doesn't sound like a very good idea. Last time we were there, it didn't go so well. And it's pretty contentious. And I'm not sure we're going to like it. It could be very costly. Might even cost us our lives. And Jesus said, oh, I know. I did not, you heard me, right? I, we're going to go there. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. And on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. And they're like, yeah, that's what we thought. <laughs> That sounds awful. We don't want to do that. And Jesus says, well, okay, but that's where we're headed. We're he and where are we going? Well, we're going to Jerusalem. I don't want to go. And you have a Jerusalem in your life. I know you don't want to address it, and God is patiently beckoning you and inviting you to deal with it. And eventually, Thomas just looks at Jesus and the rest of his friends, and he says, okay, okay, we'll just go. I mean, we might as well go and die with them. I think he said it sort of sarcastically. Um, I don't know. You can't read tone in scripture, right? But when he says this, they all say, you know, they're just going to traipse off and they're going to head south and that's what they do. Where are we going? There's a second question that you ought to be asking as we go through this series and it's this. Who's going with us? How many of you asked that? How many of you asked that when, you, when somebody says, hey, we've got a gathering, we've got a party, we're all going to do a thing. How many of you ask who's going? Let me see your hands, be honest. Now, how many of you know at least two people in your life, that if their name comes up, you're not going. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. How many of you are sitting near that person? Let me see. When you read the Gospels, this is a big deal. And so I believe that's why Jesus invited Peter and Andrew, James and John. Matthew didn't care what anybody thought about him, so Jesus invites Matthew all alone. He didn't give two wits about who liked him or who didn't. He had already had that worn off by his job and his role as a Jewish tax collector, for goodness sakes. And so Jesus wants you to know that this journey that you're engaging in, you are not alone. You are with people. And Jesus pulled together a collective of people that were going together. And this, this question is so important who is with you in the journey. Now, look, I'm not saying who goes to church with you. That's a lot of people. I'm not even saying who's in your small group. That may be some very unique people as well. What I'm saying is, who are the people that are with you in a way that allows your faith to be pushed up against theirs and grow and develop and change? And that list is probably very short for most of us. And we see it happening in the Gospels, this, this friction. Yeah. Well, Proverbs calls it iron sharpening iron. 
a little holy sandpaper in our lives, people that shape our faith. Now, you know a lot of people, but I bet there are very few people that actually change what you think and help you shape what you believe. And Jesus says, this is the question, who's going with us? And so when you read the gospels, you'll see it over and over again. The disciples spend a lot of time confused. And for the most part, we like to kind of sit on our pedestal of history and call them sort of dim-witted or not the brightest bulbs on the tree or whatever. But for the most part, they had each other and they had each other to help it help them figure everything out. And Jesus along the way as well, that helped a good bit. There's this little moment in the Gospel of John where we get this glimpse. Jesus is talking about some end times and some things that's pretty confusing. And some of the disciples said to one another, let's say it together, okay, you ready? What is this that he is saying to us? Have you ever said that to somebody? Have you ever held up the Bible and said, what is that? Now, the person in your life that you can say, what is that to? That person, that's who I'm talking about. That when they say to you, I mean, I think he meant, and they say something that's either off base or on base, but they give you their best shot at it. And then you say, wow, that sounds ridiculous. I think what he meant was, and the two of you kind of argue it out. This is what the disciples did all of the time. You need people like that in your life. And if all the stats about relationships and how we operate and friendships how they diminish over our ages. The older we get, the fewer friends we have. If that's all true, then there's at least half of us in the room that don't have anybody like that in our life. And that's not an indictment, and that's not a critique. It's just a hope that we would all move toward a place where we have people like this in our lives. And that is immeasurably hard work. There's some parents in our church that had to send their kid to school this week for the very first time. Their kid, scared to death, said, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I don't have any friends. I don't know anybody there. And one of you said something like, well, here's how you make a friend. And what is ironic about this, of course, we know how to make a friend, but the older we get, the more isolated we are, and somebody needs to come alongside us 30-something, 40-something, 50, 60-something. We'll just stop there to be polite (laughs) and say to us, here's how you make a friend. And invite somebody to coffee and spend some time together and see if a relationship might go someplace where it gets beyond the superficial and the faith discussion becomes real. And you can say to somebody, what is this that he is saying to us? I don't even know how to live this out. There's a few fellows in our church that will remain nameless who have found each other through our men's ministry. And these fellows have, for some reason, not because we suggested it, and not because we directed it, and not because we programmed it or orchestrated it, have decided to do life together. And so they pray for each other. They lean on each other. They tell stories about their lives with each other. They confess all manner of things to each other. And they have decided in their adulthood to build a relationship that looks like the kind of friendships that the disciples had as they walked together. And they often say to each other, what is this that he is saying to us? And it's beautiful. And God's calling you to that kind of friendship. 
So when we kicked this sermon series off, the sermon was essentially, I'm going to give it to you in two minutes. You get two sermons. I've been off for two weeks, okay? <laughs> this was the sermon from two years ago. It essentially is this. Jesus seems to go out of his way to invite people who are very different from each other. And so you've got Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. I mean, oil and water. Why does Jesus do that? I think he does it on purpose. I think he wants you around people that disagree with you politically. I think he wants you around people that disagree with you theologically. I think he wants you around people that you think are just half-cocked and crazy for the things that they believe and think and all of it. And as followers of Jesus, we're all headed in the same direction and we're headed toward the same destination. All of us. I don't care who you are or what church you belong to. Generally speaking, and not everybody agrees with this, this is true. But each person begins their walk from a unique place, which means my map is different than yours. My experiences are different than yours. My understanding of scripture is very different than yours. And while all of this is true, Jesus puts them all in one room and says, we're gonna do this together. And you, as you age, and as you grow and mature beyond high school, you will find people that think like you, act like you, talk like you, have the same amount of money as you, and raise their kids like you. And God wants us to find people who are different from us. Because you are wrong about some things. I know, crazy, isn't it? Some of us more than others. And you need people to help you understand all of it and help us to become more like Jesus. And so this is the question. Who is going with us? Relationships are like plants. It's like a garden. You have to sow seeds and you gotta water it. Some of it comes up, some of it grows, some of it doesn't. Over the next few weeks in your program today, there are opportunities and places where we can put you in an environment where you'll have a chance to meet some people and make some new friends and build some new relationships. And you may have all the relationships you need. And if you do, you are unique and unusual, and that is amazing, and you should thank God for it every day. But you should never take for granted the relationships that you have where you can be a little iron sharpening iron and help each other grow and learn from one another. And so every one of those relationships requires the same thing your garden requires. It requires fertilizer. It requires weeding. It requires tending a little water, a little sunshine. It needs all of the things so that it can grow. And so you can't just say, you know, we're good friends and that's just how it is. You have to invest. You got to coffee. You got to express interest. You have to think outward, not inward. All of those relationships require energy and effort to continue to bear fruit, every one of them. And some of you who don't have that have got to get about the business of sowing seed just to see if something might come up. And that happens when you show up at a group or go to the thing after church or end up in a small group. For goodness sakes, it's the last thing some of you introverts want is to meet new people. It just sounds like death all over again. And all of that does is put you in an environment where you get a chance to build something. That's what God's invited you to do. It's to do it with an us, always with an us. So who's following Jesus with you? Who is it? They will help you find the way. So there are two questions that I want us to ask through this entire series, and it's these. Where are we going? Where's God leading you? 
I promise you this week, he's gonna invite you from something to something else. And that too is gonna be a place of freedom and love and mercy and grace. It will be. It's how God operates. And there are gonna be some people around you who are gonna wanna celebrate the journey or help it come about with a little friction if need be. These are the relationships where God has led us. And then over the weeks to come, you're gonna have opportunities to connect in ways that maybe you haven't had before here at Castle Oaks. And you're gonna have some scriptures placed in front of you that you ought to wrestle with and say, I see Jesus is making invitation. At least that's what the dude up front said. So I'm gonna trust it for the moment. And if that's the case, what is the invitation from and what is it to? And is that part of my heart and part of my story and where God is leading me this week? Let me pray for you. So Lord, we ask right now that you would give us the courage to take steps along this journey. So right now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to remember the time that you said yes to the invitation that God gave to you to follow him. Just think back to the moment. If you can't remember the moment, then maybe you can just tell him fresh and anew right now. Lord, I want to follow you. Because I promise you, the invitation that God gave to Peter and to Andrew and to James and John and Matthew and Nathaniel and to Martha, to Mary, the woman at the well. It's the same invitation that he gives to you. Come and follow me. So the scriptures say that you're leading us to a place of freedom, of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy. Also to places of surrender, that's hard. Obedience, even when I want my own way. So Lord, we say yes to you. We don't know exactly where we're going, but we know who's driving, and so we're in. And we pray that you would give us some companions along the way that will help us, shape us, change our hearts. Lord, we can't do this journey alone. And for some of us, we have those companions as a part of our world, but give us the courage to invest and cultivate those friendships. And for those of us who feel like we're on this journey alone, Lord, would you give us the courage to step out of our shell and, and reach out? I, I know, Lord, we find ourselves disappointed on many turns. We'll find ourselves again alone or maybe even a bit rejected. But our hope is that we would persist and that you would meet us in the sowing of those seeds, that we would find your goodness in other people. Lord, we believe that your goodness is what will lead us down this path that you are for us, that you love us, that you've given us everything that we need. And so meet us in this place today as we seek you and take us from the places that keep us in bondage and distant from your grace to places of love. And so now we declare your goodness in these lyrics. In the name of Jesus, we say together, amen.